The following is a presentation of Tomorrow's World. One of the greatest questions asked by thinkers over the years and shouted by the pain hearts of human beings throughout the centuries is the question of why we suffer. If God is good and if God is powerful and if he created the world around us, why do we see so many suffer so much? We see suffering on a daily basis in our news feeds, within the borders of every nation, among the peoples of every race, and in the faces of both the very old and the very young. No one is immune to its touch. And for many of you, suffering has impacted your own life as well. There is a reason for suffering and there is an answer to it. And it is an answer of almost incomprehensible beauty, peace, joy, and hope. Join us here on Tomorrow's World as things get very real, and together you and I will ask and answer the question, why do we suffer? Stay tuned. Greetings and welcome to Tomorrow's World. I'm delighted that you're here and I've been looking forward to talking to all of you about this topic for some time. It's hard to see the suffering in the world, even the suffering in our own lives and the lives of our family members and friends, and not want to know the answer to why we suffer. Why is the world the place that it is? If God created it all, isn't it all His fault somehow? How can He just sit idly on his throne watching while I suffer, or nations suffer, or children suffer. Surely this isn't the world as he envisioned it. Is he powerless to do anything about it? Or worse yet, does he just not care? Times of suffering challenge our faith and beliefs like no other. So on our broadcast today, we're also making available a resource to help you further after the program is over. It's called The Real God, Proofs and Promises. And we'll be sure to provide you information throughout the program so you know how to get it. Like everything we have, it's a free resource for those in the public who simply want answers for themselves. I hope you'll all consider getting your own copy. The world is full of real suffering. Many of you watching today have been victims or have known victims of robbery, theft, assault, or even murder. Some of you feel crushed by an avalanche of debt or the burden of sickness or disease. Millions all over the globe are in anguish over their addictions, some to drugs, alcohol, to gambling, smoking, and other compulsive behaviors that are destroying their lives. The path of human history is covered with tales of warfare, genocide, mass murder, and utter human cruelty that surpasses even that seen in the animal world. The natural world around us seems not to care much for us at all at times. 
earthquakes, drought and famine, hurricanes, typhoons, plague, pestilence, parasites. Our time here on earth is governed by forces of nature over which we have no control and which press us to ask, why do we suffer? And is there a real good and loving God in the midst of all this strife, difficulty, pain, and heartache? Now, I'm as much a fan of Louis Armstrong's beautiful song, What a Wonderful World, as the next guy. But I know that this is not a wonderful world. It may have been created by God, but it seems fully in the hands of the devil. In early 2015, British comedian, actor, writer, and staunch atheist Stephen Fry was being interviewed about his beliefs by television host Gay Byrne. And Mr. Byrne challenged him concerning what he would say to God if he one day discovers that God does exist and had a chance to meet him. His answer was a viral hit on YouTube, and here's the beginning of his answer. I'll say, bone cancer in children? What's that about? How dare you? How dare you create a world in which there is such misery that is not our fault? It's not right. It's utterly, utterly evil. Why should I respect a capricious, mean-minded, stupid God who creates a world which is so full of injustice and pain? That's what I'd say. Is there an answer to Mr. Fry? Why does humanity suffer? And where is God in all of this? Yes, there are answers, and we'll look at them next. But before we go too much further, I do want to give you an opportunity to request the free resource we're sending out today, The Real God Proofs and Promises. When we're in the middle of times of great suffering, when we don't know the answers why or don't see any purpose to our suffering, it is the truth of God's existence and His very real purpose for us that offers us the only true hope that can turn that suffering into peace, contentment, and even joy. When you or someone you know has questions, you need answers. The real God, proofs and promises, has those answers. Whether for you or for someone you care about, request your free copy today. For today's free informative offer, send your request to Tomorrow's World, P.O. Box 3800, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28227. Or call this toll-free number, 1-800-236-0531. That number again is 1-800-236-0531. With this offer, you will also receive your free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine full of timely articles and unique insights on today's important issues. Tomorrow's World Magazine keeps you up to date with world trends, Bible prophecy, and the very meaning of life itself. Tomorrow's World, call now. Welcome back. Today we're asking why mankind experiences so much suffering. If there is a good God in heaven, why do we experience so much heartache and so many trials? Does He even care? 
To understand why we suffer in today's world, we need to go back to the beginning of today's world, to a time when there was no suffering at all, back to the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve, the first human beings. When you read the account of the creation of mankind in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, there's a marvelous truth told in those pages. When God creates all the animals of the earth, we see in Genesis 1 that He says they're made after their own kind, animals after their kind, birds after their kind, fish after their kind. But when God creates humanity, He says something remarkably different. Let's read it in Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. There are profound truths in this passage. First, just note briefly that God says, let us make man in our image. That's because God is a family, two divine persons we now call God the Father and Jesus Christ. As we'll see later, it was the one who became Jesus Christ who actually did the creating according to the will of God the Father. But secondly, Notice that while every animal God created is explicitly described as being created according to its kind, man is not. God says, let us make man in our image. Unlike the animals, man was made after the God kind, to resemble the Creator Himself. As this passage indicates, and other passages make absolutely clear, God had a remarkable purpose in creating mankind, the purpose of expanding His family and making us a part of it. Man was given remarkable potential and responsibilities that on an infinitely smaller scale reflected God's own. For instance, humanity was given dominion over the creation like His Creator has. In chapter 2 and verse 15, man was told to tend and keep or to care for and maintain what God has made. Just as on a larger scale, all creation is upheld by the word of God's power. And mankind was to be fruitful and multiply, to build a family just as God is building a family. But there's an important difference. The Bible tells us that God is spirit, not physical. And yet man was made a physical mortal being who was given a spirit within him. Unlike God, man does not have eternal life inherent within him. He would need to eat and breathe to maintain a physical existence, while the other essential ingredient in his development was created over time. Godly character. In order to fulfill their purpose of becoming truly and fully children of God, enjoying life and existence as a part of God's own divine family, Adam and Eve had to develop God's own character, the commitment to choose the right and good way, 
God's way anytime a choice has to be made. And to develop character, we must make choices. To this end, God created two trees in the garden, representing two ways of life. We read about them in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 9. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. The tree of life represented man's access to God's gift of eternal life, while the tree of the knowledge of good and evil represented man rejecting his Creator's authority and choosing for himself what is good and what is evil, what is right and what is wrong, just as the devil had chosen for himself. Again, we cannot develop character without free will and choices to make. So what choice did they make? The Bible records the unhappy tale. Satan the devil in the guise of a serpent deceives Eve and she eats the fruit God had commanded to be left alone. But Adam was not deceived. And when Eve offered him the fruit for himself, he had a choice to make. Follow God or choose to reject God and embrace the devil's deception. And as we read in chapter 3 and verse 6, she also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. The result of that choice is the world we see around us. Unless we begin to feel self-righteous and condemn Adam and Eve, we need to ask ourselves, haven't you and I chosen our way over God's many times in our own lives as well? Yes, we have. The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We suffer the effects of our own sins, crushing debt, sexually transmitted diseases, broken marriages, addictions. We suffer the effects of the sins of others, and we suffer the effects of living in a civilization that rejects its creator, saying, we don't need you, we can do it on our own. And yet we're fools. For unlike God, we can't stop the storm or prevent the earthquake or turn away the hurricane. Instead of cursing at an imaginary God about the bad things that happen in the world, atheists such as Mr. Fry, whom we quoted earlier, and believers alike should examine our own lives and ask ourselves the question, do I contribute to bringing the world more under the laws of God and His loving guidance, or do I contribute to the problem by demanding that I should be allowed to do as I please, regardless of what my Creator who loves me wants me to do? We can't have our cake and eat it too. We can't reject God's love, guidance, and authority in the world, reject His laws of peace, prosperity, and safety, and somehow expect Him to ignore our choices as a civilization and create a world just for our own happiness, free of suffering. 
We can't simultaneously evict God from the world and then expect Him to give us a world that is only possible under His rulership. The source of all human suffering is human sin. Far from being some sort of evidence that God is absent or doesn't exist, suffering in this world validates God's existence and His Word. He says plainly through Paul in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. And as long as mankind chooses to be his own God, as it were, deciding right and wrong in his own ignorance in rejection of God, then all of us, atheist and believer alike, will continue to suffer through a world that reflects the natural consequences of such choices. However, God has not abandoned us to our suffering. He explains not only the cause, but the answer to our suffering. And it is beautiful and life-changing. We will dive deep into that answer in the last segment of our program. And it is truly a life-transforming truth that everyone deeply needs to understand for themselves. But the foundation of that understanding is an unwavering conviction that God is real, that He exists, and that He truly is who He says He is. When your life is confronted by pain and suffering, you need that foundation more than ever. Let us help. The study aid we're offering today, The Real God, Proofs and Promises, is completely free. And by free, we mean truly free. No tricks, no gimmicks, just answers to the questions we all have. Whether you want a free copy sent to you through the mail or you want it instantly online, it doesn't matter to us, but you do. Here's the information you need. For today's free informative offer, send your request to Tomorrow's World, P.O. Box 3800, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28227, or call this toll-free number, 1-800-236-0531. That number again is 1-800-236-0531. With this offer, you will also receive your free subscription to Tomorrow's World Magazine full of timely articles and unique insights on today's important issues. Tomorrow's World Magazine keeps you up to date with world trends, Bible prophecy, and the very meaning of life itself. Tomorrow's World, call now. Welcome back. We've looked at the cause of our suffering, but where is God in all of this? Has He simply abandoned us watching us at a distance, coldly and academically. The devil would like you to believe that, but the truth is far more beautiful and encouraging. God could have remained distant and removed from the world we've crafted in our own image, a world that continues to tell him he is unwelcome. But instead, he chose to suffer with us in our world. John chapter 1 tells the story, beginning in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, 
and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John tells us that our good and perfect Creator chose to become flesh and blood just like us, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He didn't have to. He could have stopped at any time. He was guilty of nothing. Unlike all of us, both you and me, He never sinned, not once. He never dishonored His parents. He never lied. He never cheated. He never hated His brother, never wallowed in lustful thoughts. He remains to this day the only one who has ever walked the earth with a continuous, perfect, merciful, loving, lawful, and faithful heart towards God every moment of His life. And what He received for that from us was the punishment that we deserve, not Him. He was continuously mocked, mercilessly tortured, horrifically crucified, and separated from God on the cross, not for His own sins, but for all of ours. He bore in Himself the fullest brunt of the suffering that we deserve. In Jesus Christ, we see God's response to sin and suffering. While His plan requires our free will and our free moral agency, our ability as a species to choose to suffer, to choose evil, and to choose its consequences in the world and in our lives, He hasn't abandoned us to that. Our Creator humbled Himself and stepped into life as one of us, and He chose to experience those things right alongside us. Not because He had to, but because He chose to and because He loves us. In doing so, He opened the door for us to eternal life, a gift which, frankly, the vast majority of those who call themselves Christian do not fully understand. He did more than suffer out of sympathy. He participated in our suffering so that He could bear the penalty we had earned for ourselves enabling us to transcend our sins. He was resurrected to life again after three days and three nights in the tomb so that He could live within those who repent and turn to Him through His Spirit to help them complete God's purpose for their lives by helping them build the very same character and nature that He Himself had in this life. As the Apostle Paul says so beautifully in Galatians 2 and verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Actually, the old King James Version expresses this verse more accurately, explaining that Paul said, I live by the faith of the Son of God. 
his own faith, living and growing in those who have chosen to turn aside from sin and toward their Savior. And his answer to suffering does not stop there, not by a long shot. The scriptures are clear that Jesus' time on earth was only the beginning of his effort for humanity. Those who repent, turn to him, and give their lives wholly to him in this life will be raised to glorified divine life, just as he was at his return to earth when he sets up the kingdom of God. Those glorified individuals who were willing to suffer in faith with him in today's world will be raised to rule with him on earth in tomorrow's world. But even that will not be for themselves. They will work with him to spread his truth to all people, all nations, all over the world. And then, after a thousand years, to all who lived and died without ever knowing that truth. All people will see an answer to suffering and a permanent end to it. The devil will be removed forever. Every willing human being will have been redeemed and the family of God will be joyfully unleashed upon a waiting universe. As the Apostle John recorded of his vision of the great end of God's beautiful plan, and I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. So often we want to blame God for suffering in the world. What we fail to see is the lesson that suffering comes from rejecting God in the first place. God has an answer to the question of suffering, an answer that when you understand it, has the potential to turn our trials into hallmarks of hope. As Paul said, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Any suffering we experience will one day be swallowed by a reality that puts that suffering to shame. A reality that will see the suffering of this world transformed into a joy that surpasses comprehension. You need the hope God offers of tomorrow's world and to experience how it can swallow your trials and turn them into a foundation for joy. That all begins with believing in the real God who will accomplish these things. And that can begin for you if you take advantage of the free booklet we're making available today. I hope you will. Whether you do or not, it's our privilege to be here each week to talk to you about the reality of tomorrow's world. And I hope you'll join us again next week where Richard Ames, Gerald Weston, and I will continue to share with you the teachings of Jesus Christ, the good news of His coming kingdom, and the exciting end-time prophecies and their meaning. 
Take care and be sure to join us again next week right here at the same time. To view the Tomorrow's World telecast or request today's free offer, visit us online at tomorrowsworld.org. Remember to find us on Facebook and be sure to follow us on Twitter. The preceding program is produced by the Living Church of God.